We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This month, I'm kicking it on the high stakes tip with Ted Rokas, the current champ of the FFPC 1250 number seven Dynasty League and a winner of a half dozen high-stakes fantasy football titles as well. In this episode, we'll talk about the big trade he just made for the 102 in a high-stakes rookie draft, debate several wideouts going around Terry McLaurin in startup drafts, and much more. Rokas' career FFPC winnings total nearly $30,000, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Ted Rokas. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, here is $30,000 FFPC winner, Ted Rokas. Ushering in the month of April this uh, month, this week, this day, whenever you're listening to it on the high stakes lowdown here with uh, a former dynasty champion and the current FFPC 1250 number seven dynasty champion. Uh, it is Ted Rokas. Ted, welcome back. 
uh, not you've not been on this show before. I know you've been on the HSFF Hour, but welcome and, and thank you for doing the show with me. Ed, thanks for having me, Balky. I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's been a while since we've chatted, so this should be fun. One of the things that I, we should bring up right away was a story you told me you had. Now, you were on, it was probably, I want to say three years ago. I could be wrong. Um, you, you are. I am wrong? When, when, was, <laughs> yeah. it? when was it? It, it was uh, 2013. Time oh, flies. my goodness. Holy cow. <laughs> eight years ago. My goodness. Yeah. So yeah. eight years ago, you were on the High Stakes Fantasy Football or one of the very first guests, I would say. If I mean, that was probably the second. We just started season 10. And I think that was season two, if I'm remembering correctly. So one of the first, probably one of the first dynasty guests we've had on. So there's, there's a story that you have to share related to that appearance on that podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I was last on in 2013, uh, probably because I was in 75 managed fantasy football leagues that year. Which, <laughs> that might have something which, to do with it. Yeah, that, that was a little, uh, it was a little much, but. I may I may make a run for a hundred, uh, not this season, the following season, but we'll see. Uh, so the uh, winter, late 2012, early 2013, I was thinking like I had an extra 10, 20K I wanted to uh, invest. And I narrowed it down to I was either going to do a bunch of fantasy football leagues or I was going to buy, uh, with the money, a bunch of Bitcoin. Oh. So <laughs> so uh, when I first was thinking about it, it was late 2012, Bitcoin was at $7. <laughs> and then... This is going to be so painful <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> and then uh, early 2013, it had gone up to $30. So I said, you know what? Screw it. It's already up a bunch. I know fantasy football... I'm confident that I'm plus EV in the games I'm going to be playing in. So I'll just go with that. So like from that point on every month, it just kept going up and up before I, the season even started, I'm drafting these leagues and Bitcoin had gone up to $280. So I'm sitting there like, what the hell? I have no chance of matching that ROI. But um, yeah, so fast forward to, 20, I was so tilted about it that I just like completely forgot about Bitcoin. Fast forward to 2017, it was impossible not to see for me. Like it absolutely mooned again, ran up to 20K. And I saw like when it was at 5K or so, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not playing this game. If it ever tanks again, I'm going to go all in and just put everything I have into it. Because by this point, back in 2012, 2013, like there really wasn't a ton of information. It was right. hard to obtain. So by this point, though, like I had studied up a bunch. And so from 2018 to 2020, I just, I've spent all my free time uh, learning and accumulating. And now I spent uh the majority of my time uh, farming on sushi swap, on pancake swap, and buying NFTs and doing all kinds of uh, stuff crypto related. But yeah, so it, fortunately, uh, it's ended up working out very well. Well, good. I'm, I'm yeah. glad to see. I'm glad to hear that there's a at least somewhat of a happy ending to that story because that yeah could have yeah. been brutal. Well, yeah, it was brutal for a few years there. You know? <laughs> now that Bitcoin's pushing 60K, I'm feeling pretty good about it. But 
there was a time there when I'm doing the math. I'm like, so I would have had about $10 million right now. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. It's fingernails on the chalkboard hearing that for me. I can't imagine yeah. like for you, but at least you, you're, you're, you're coming out way ahead and, and getting in, Yeah, well, yeah. Sure. you know, be, well before, I mean, like when did the crypto craze really hit within the last, you know, year or so, and you were, you were in on, on, you know, two or three years well before. Yeah. That. Yeah. So for the whole bear market, whenever I had any money, I, I invested quite a bit. So I, in a good position right now, fortunately. You are all about trying to get assets on the upswing. And I think one of the <laughs> things that you just did in this 1250 number seven league was just that. You gave up Ezekiel Elliott in a trade, Elliott, Juju Smith Schuster, and the 112. And in exchange, you got back the 102. So can you tell us a little bit about number one, why you were motivated to make the trade? And number two, why do you like the 102 so much? So first off, it, it might end up being a mistake. If Juju, <laughs> if Juju comes out and, uh, and looks like he did his first or second year and Fat Zeke loses a little bit of weight and that offense is does what I think they're capable of doing, it could look bad this year. But there's also the possibility that Juju – is what he is at this point. He's been the last couple of years, and that's a low yard per target guy. In an offense with a declining quarterback, yeah, it's only a one-year deal, but he's, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. If he doesn't have a big year this year, I, I don't see much from him going forward. And then with Zeke, he's what, 26, 27 now? If he doesn't have a good year this year, I mean, he, you saw how quickly it ended for Gurley. And the, the problem was nobody really wanted Zeke. So I wanted, I wanted to start getting younger. So my team, it's not like it was really old, but I think I've finished second two years in a row, two, or, two out of three years before winning last year. So my team's had a good run, and I definitely do not want to let my team get old. So I would rather start to retool now, try to stay somewhat competitive, and uh, kind of rebuild on the fly. And uh, getting ahead of it with trading Zeke and Juju, we'll, we'll see uh, how it ends up. I do I do like Chase, though. I, I would like to get uh, him if possible. We'll see how everything shakes out with the draft and stuff, but he looks like an elite prospect from the little research I've done so far. Is he, And I know we'll get into rookies a little bit later on, but is Chase, if you had the 101, say, instead of the 102, would you would you take Chase over Harris or ATN or any of those other guys? So it, it, would be be, it would be between Harris and Chase for me. And given the, the couple-year difference and the fact that a wide receiver, you just you have a much longer shelf life, I would probably lean Chase unless Harris – if Harris was – I would ideally, if I have one-on-one and Harris goes to a great landing spot, would it be at Pittsburgh or Atlanta or something, I would, uh, and he's the unanimous one-on-one, I would try to trade back to one-on-two would be what I would do. Are you, are you just curiously, um, uh, are you concerned about Najee Harris's age at all, given that he's 23 years old already? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I still think he's going to be really good, 
but at 23 and a half, he's not even in the league yet. It's a, it's a bit old. And you just the shelf life on running backs, you, you just, you never know, you know, it can be really, really quick. You get a few years and with a lot of guys and that's it. Well, and two, I mean, like it may not be any different, right? Because Ezekiel Elliott had a few years and now maybe you're just yeah. high on him, you know, and, and look at Todd Gurley and um, Le'Veon Bell, you know, these, these guys that they're, they're, um, they're these, uh, what, what do you call it? The, the, um, Sigmund Bloom would know this, the, 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 the red dwarfs or whatever, the super bright <laughs> stars that like burn so bright, but they burn. So it, it's, it's such a short, quick thing, you know, that, um, that definitely and, sounds and, like and, a Sigmund reference. Exactly. Yeah. And, th- and that's how it would be, you know, with, with these running backs. So I, I think you make some good points there on, on, on why it's, it, you know, to, to get out and, and get the deal for that one Oh two. Speaking of selling high, I feel like I've, I've talked to a lot of high stakes dynasty players about this, but Alvin Kamara, he comes off a massive season, probably the best season of his career last year. Have you had any thoughts? Cause I know you own him on this team. Have you had any thoughts on trying to trade him? at his peak right now. So, yeah, I have sent a couple offers out. Um, I would move them, but I'm not in a rush to move them in the, in the same way that I was with Zeke. I I would trade him for, uh, I would, I would like a, a solid first round pick, but I want an elite receiver. So an elite young receiver. So a Justin Jefferson, a DK Metcalf, plus a little something extra. You know, that, that's what it would take for me to move them. One, I really like both those guys. They're both young stud receivers. You know you're going to get four or five years of solid wide receiver one, wide receiver two uh, production out of them. So, yeah. If somebody, that, offer, if, some, if somebody offers you just in a vacuum right now, they say, hey, Ted, would you give me Alvin Kamara? I'll give you J.K. Dobbins and Justin Jefferson. Is that enough to get it done for you? Yeah, for sure. I would, okay. I would snap accept that. Got it. Got it. Cool. Um, all right. Um, more Cowboys talk here. Let's move on and, and, and talk about Amari uh, Cooper because you he's he's on this team for you right now as well. Um, things that are going to affect his performance in 2021. Number one, Dak Prescott's health. Number two, how much more CeeDee Lamb emerges. Uh, emerges. And, and you, you still have Michael Gallup there. I don't know how much of a concern that is. But Amari Cooper, how do you see his 2021 shaking out with the variables of Prescott and Lamb? I'm, I'm a big Amari truther. He's been frustrating at times, but I, I took him back in the rookie draft at 101 over Gurley, which at times that looked really bad. Now, not quite as bad. But uh, I'm not worried about CD. I, I think there's, if Dak is healthy, and I don't think Jerry would have given him that contract if he didn't think he'd be healthy, I think that offense is going to be uh, really good. I mean, they were on pace to be, you know, right up there at KC, maybe better than KC as, as an elite offense in the league last year. And then uh, that gruesome injury for Dak happened. So I'm, I'm not too concerned on Amari. I think he'll have a big year as long as Dak is uh, healthy. And I see no reason why uh, he wouldn't be. Yeah, the, uh, the rising tide raising all ships, it just could be what we, you know, what we saw last year over the course of the first month of the season where the Cowboys couldn't do anything wrong from an offensive standpoint. Um, everybody who loaded up on the Cowboy, you know, I think about Evan Silva's uh, team from Establish the Run and the FFPC main event. I mean, he had all those Cowboys on there and it was great. I mean, he was like a top five team and then Prescott goes down and it just kills the value of everybody on that team. But, uh, you know, I, had things been different, 
you know, we, we could be talking very differently about the Dallas Cowboys this year. Yeah, oh, I know all too well. Both my main event teams were Dak Stacks with uh, Amari, so I, I was oh. uh, I was not pleased. Yeah, it, it was not my best uh, season long redraft season last year for sure. I was heavy Dallas, and uh, the Dak injury was crippling. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate. I mean, it's it just stinks because you you got it right, Ted. I mean, you clearly yeah got yeah evaluations yeah. right, and it's just one in- injury. It just it it stinks. Um, let's, let's talk about a guy who was hurt, um, pretty much all last season, if I'm remembering correctly, OJ Howard. Now, as we continue your, the, the tour of this, uh, of your 1250 number seven championship squad, he is at tight end on this roster. Bruce Arians, I know was talking him up this past week. How much of a fantasy factor can he be though? Not only with Rob Gronkowski still there, but you think about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin just got the franchise tag. We, I know they're trying to bring back Antonio Brown. I don't know if he's going to come there or not. But, I mean, certainly a lot of options there. And how does O.J. Howard fit in to Tampa Bay as, as far as um, when you would deploy him on your fantasy starting lineup? Well, let, let's talk about player evaluations. I did not get right, Belke. Uh, <laughs> O.J. Howard? I, I, I traded D.J. Moore for O.J. Howard. Oh. And uh, – I don't feel very good about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was loaded at wide receiver and tight end was like my one weakness. Uh, I forget if it was last off season or the, or the, uh, I think it might've been the prior off season, but regardless, like it has uh, not worked out well at all. Uh, OJ Howard has just been a disaster, but I still have a little bit of hope. He, I mean, he's got the physical tools. The guy's six, six, two fifty. Runs a four five forty at a ninety seven percent agility score. Like the guy's the elite draft pedigree. I mean, he was what uh, one nineteen or so, uh, but he's twenty six now, and it's time to to put some stats up because he, he's shown glimpses, but he just has not been able to put it together. And with Gronk there, I, I'm not too concerned because I, I don't envision. Uh, Tampa running out Gronk and playing him a ton going forward, but we will we'll see about that. Um, most likely, to be honest, he's probably going to suck. He's he hasn't done much <laughs> his whole career, but uh, I do hold out some glimmer of hope that uh, that offense once again should be really strong. But even if OJ is good. I think it's going to be a pretty volatile situation. It's going to come down to, did he score a touchdown that week? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, even if he gets hurt, this is a make or break season for him in your eyes, right? You know, absolutely. he he either does it this year or he doesn't either because of poor performance or injury. And then you're kind of washing your hands of him and you have zero expectation for him going forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's at, it's gotten to that point for sure. I mean, he doesn't do it. He's 26 now. It's time to put up or shut up. One of a guy, uh, one of the guys in in fantasy leagues last year that really put up big time was uh, rookie running back James Robinson, undrafted rookie running back for the Jaguars. James Robinson. Um, in a million years, I couldn't have seen this coming. You get an undrafted guy. Uh... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Out of Illinois State, you know, like some random you know, school, he, he plays for one of the worst teams in the league, the team that, that has the number one pick in the league. And somehow he was one of the best running backs last season. I don't know how that happens. I don't know if there's a good explanation for it, but he's kind of a conundrum right now. If you own him in dynasty, because you got to figure out if, if that was an aberration or if it was real and either way, you got to react. How much did you shop him around when he was, you know, on the upswing last year, Ted, when, when, it, a lot of people did sell high on him. How much were you shopping him? And then sort of since the season ended, what's been your approach with James Robinson on your roster? The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. So in season, probably mid-season last year, um, I got offered a first-round pick for him, which I turned down. Now, had I not been competing, I would have snap accepted the offer. But it was my main competition in the league, so the team I would consider the best team in the league. And... I wasn't going to help him out and hurt my team. Uh, and I, it was going to be a late first round pick, but still for a undrafted guy that I took in maybe the fifth round of the rookie draft, um, you know, I, I normally would have accepted that. He's the kind of guy that you generally are profiting on by selling high. And if you don't sell high, more often than not, it ends up coming back to burn you. So now... The whole season played out. I think all they've brought in is Carlos Hyde. Yep. And, you know, it's a tough spot because if he, if they don't draft anyone high, he's in a good spot. I mean, he actually looked really solid last year. He can catch passes. They use him on the goal line. And I don't really think Carlos Hyde is a threat to him. So if he's... You know, get, getting the same workload that he did last year, and he the volume he got was great, and he looked solid when he was when he played. So 
he's worth more than a late first round pick if that's what he's doing at his age. It's, and interesting. I, it's interesting, just real quick, to, that you bring that up because I had Jane Robinson, James Robinson in one of my dynasty leagues. Same thing happened to me. Like mid-October, somebody offered me a, a first round pick and it wasn't the best team in the league, but it was one of the better teams. And I knew if they got Robinson, um, they the, the pick would be like the 111 or the 112. You know what I right. mean? I did the same thing as you. I'm like, I'm going to roll the dice, see what happens. And I turned it down. But my approach this spring has been different with Robinson than, than yours has. So what, what is your approach, Ben? Well, for, for me, it's, it's kind of like I'm not I, – I feel like – and maybe this is the wrong approach. But I feel like I sort of made my decision on my player evaluation of James Robinson in the fact that um, unless somebody comes at me with not a godfather-type offer – but but an offer that that um, that really is like okay I'm, I'm going to be stupid if I turn if I turn this down I'm not I'm, I'm really not willing to to move him at this point and I haven't been chopping him around because I feel like when I turn down that first round pick in my mind subconsciously I just believe that this guy is going to be part of of my dynasty future and I'm not willing to move off that unless somebody really really values him significantly more than I do. What what would that kind of offer look like? That's a good question. And I don't know because I haven't gotten it yet. I feel like okay, it's like fair. once once I see it, I'll know it. But I think if somebody gave me um I don't know, like uh, what about like one three? Uh, I honestly hadn't considered I was I I have not considered moving them for a rookie pick. That is interesting. I one three, I think I'd still take I think I'd still keep him, um, but he's not pedigreed at all. And it, it, it That's irritates the me too. You know, it's just, it because it, it, easy come, easy go, right? I mean, it, and if he, and if he regime change there too. A regime change, a exactly. Concern. And then you, if he was a one-year wonder, it's so easy for Jacksonville to move off him, right? And And I think in the back of my mind, they moved off Leonard Fournette in favor of this guy. So I just I feel like the, at least the front office believed in him, but now you got Urban Meyer there, and and the, the feelings might not, you know, um, be similar as as to where they were this time last year. For sure, no, I think we're actually pretty close in agreement on it. I haven't really been actively shopping them because from what I've seen, just people aren't willing to give what I value him at. Right. Um, One hundred three, I would be taking I think though I, I think a high first round pick like that I think I would have to cut ties with them but um I, I do think that that's fair in that range there I mean with, with what he there's not a lot of guys in the league that get the volume that he got last year if he gets that going forward and he gets another year of it then he's going to move up big time so what? What what about this? Let let okay. I, so I'm just kind of formulating this mind in my mind as we're talking. Let's just assume um, Harris is the 101, Chase goes to 102. Okay. Um, yeah. You're on the clock. Uh, the 103 is on the clock. They offer you the the pick to you in exchange for James Robinson. And let's just say, and again, this is such a hypothetical, and it's going to be a hypothetical until we know where these guys land. Let's say ATN Travis ATN gets drafted by the Dolphins in like the early second, right? He's out okay. there at the 103. You have the opportunity to change James Robinson in for him. What would you do? And, and maybe, maybe let's not put maybe let's not necessarily say ATN. Let's say whoever your second running back is in this year's class. 
you know, whether yeah, it's so Williams I, or whoever. I am not uh, fully – I haven't done enough research on this draft yet to say, but I do think that ATM probably won't be in my top three from what yeah. I've seen so far. I'm open to changing that. What, why, I, and why is that? What 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 do you, what what's turning you off? So from what I've seen of him, I, I he doesn't seem to have the best vision. He seems he seems kind of like a straight line runner, and he's uh, is he tested? He hasn't tested, has he? For uh, at the um, at, like the the Clemson pro day. Yeah, whatever they had. Yeah, did he did he do? Uh, te- I don't think he did. Uh, I think you're right. I don't think he has yet. Uh, no, I, no, I beg your pardon. He, um, uh, okay. So they had Clemson, um, did their pro day, um, about three weeks. Actually. Ago. Yeah. 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 He has. So, so he, he didn't do a, what I was, uh, he didn't test like three cone or any agility stuff. That's no. what I was remembering. Which yeah, isn't, yeah. And, and, and which is in his game. Right. So you would, you would exactly. Think would that so I, that, and that's what I wanted to see was him to, uh, do a three cone and put up a, a respectable time would make me feel a little bit better with him. But yeah, I mean, he definitely, he could be really good for sure. I, I would probably take ATN. So say it was ATN. I would take ATN over James Robinson at this point. Okay. As long as the landing spot was reasonable, I value the landing spot with running back, rookie running backs much, much, much more than a uh, receiver coming into the league. The, the, Lifespan is a lot shorter and it just matters a lot more, in my opinion. All right. So I think you kind of already answered this question, but let's say Pittsburgh does draft the running back. Let's say they draft the first running back off the board. And for all intents and purposes, we know you like Harris. Let's say they take Harris. Is he the 101 for you then over Chase? Uh, so probably. Um, but I would look to trade back to 102. I would hope – so ideally, a, a good landing spot like that, I think that's going to really uh, push the value up on what, the 101. And uh, I would rather go with the receiver at this point than a 23, 23.5, I think, year old uh, running back. But, I mean, he if – in a vacuum, so that's specific to my team. In a vacuum, though, I would go with uh, with the running back for sure, with Harris. Um, let's move on and and talk about Washington, and I think we'll play a little bit of a game with this one. Okay, now, sounds la- good. Last year, um, there was nobody opposite Terry McLaurin uh, for the the WFT. Now he gets Curtis Samuel playing um, next to him, or opposite him, I should say. Last year at quarterback, they had checked down Charlie Alex Smith. Um, and now this year they got gunslinging Fitzpatrick. Okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So how how much does that increase McLaurin's dynasty value, knowing that he has a better quarterback and knowing that opposing defenses are gonna have to be forced to focus less on him in coverage? Yeah, they're gonna be a fun team this year. I'm really looking forward to watching them with uh Fitz Magic. They get some really nice skill position players there, a solid defense. I think I think McLaurin was gone late third or early fourth of startups. And for me, I would probably with Fitzpat uh Fitzpatrick there, I would probably bump him to like early third and I wouldn't argue with late second. Wow. Yeah, I, I like I mean I McLaurin's awesome, but that 
There's a big tier of receivers there. Let's play a little uh, Would You Rather, Val. Yes. Yeah. Fire away, my All friend. Right. All right. So would you rather Terry McLaurin or Michael Thomas? I would say McLaurin. I would rather have McLaurin over Thomas. Yeah, I think that one's close. I would go with McLaurin to take the two-and-a-half-year younger receiver. Um, how about DJ Moore or now Terry McLaurin? Is, now, this is interesting because now you talked about how you – you 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 know obviously I wouldn't you wouldn't have said that you made a good deal in in the Howard where you gave up more for that. I would also say this. I would also say that DJ Moore I was a big fan of coming in to um, the NFL, and I would say that he has not necessarily lived up, especially last year, has not necessarily lived up to what I thought he would be. Um, so I I'm actually going to say McLaurin over Moore there, just because I feel McLaurin has the higher ceiling at this point. I think that's fair for sure. Like uh, that one, I, I would be torn on. I, it's flip a coin for me. I think they're so close. I probably it would be team dependent. If I'm competing, I would go with McLaurin because I I would take McLaurin over DJ Moore and redraft. So you know, and and like what's Carolina doing at quarterback too? That that's the other thing to consider. Yeah, like yeah, short and long term. Yeah, that that's a that's a big question mark right now for him. At least oh. wa- wa- with Washington, we know um, short term. We don't know. Oh, short term, it, it looks beautiful with with uh, Fitzmagic there. Let me fire one at you, Ted. Terry McLaurin yeah. or or T Higgins out of Cincinnati. Who would you rather? That's have? a that's a good one. Uh, in a vacuum, in a startup, I would probably take the. I would probably go T Higgins. Just the three three and a half year age difference is enough to push me towards Higgins. But if I'm with a win now team, I would go McLaurin. If I was in redraft, I would go McLaurin. I, I totally agree with that. And I'm and and now this is I'm gonna apply the same logic to it. And I think I'd still say McLaurin, although it gets closer because I think you have you have the 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 mystery box of Jamar Chase coming into the draft. Probably gonna be, you know, a, a top three rookie pick, top four rookie pick, whatever it is. Terry McLaurin over Jamar Chase. We know what McLaurin is, we don't know what Chase is. That can be a good and bad thing in this scenario. Now, would you take Chase over McLaurin? Now, okay, let me let let maybe it's just this this simple. If you're win now, you go McLaurin. If you're startup rebuilding, whatever, it's Chase. I that's what it would be for me. That's the beauty of Dynasty is it's so dependent on the team. You know, like you can have one team where you value one guy higher, and another team where you value the other guy higher. It's just it really is team dependent. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, what about Terry McLaurin or DeAndre Hopkins? Is is the age um, factor enough for you to say McLaurin, or is the production still too strong to deny for with Hopkins? So this is a close one. I don't know if this would be a hot take, but I I would go McLaurin over Hopkins right now. And I know Hopkins is like middle of the second, late second startup pick, but I, I would go McLaurin over him. I, I get your logic. I think I would lean towards Hopkins um, just because I'm, I, I think that Hopkins, you know, I think there, there's, um, there's um, a narrative out there when, when a player gets to a certain age, you, you got to expect that he's going to start to regress. And, and that's probably true. I feel like Hopkins though is, is, is still not necessarily regressing. Right. And I could be wrong because there's metrics out there that would say I'm wrong, that he's already started uh, regressing, but I feel like, Kyler Murray, that Arizona offense, man, I, I think he can have, you know, three really elite seasons yet um, be, before 
he really starts to downgrade and 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 become like an AJ Green, Julio Jones type. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I think it's super close, and that's why I wanted to uh, play this game with these receivers. Is like there's a lot of good receivers in this range, and it, it's just it's really splitting hairs. It's super close amongst yeah. all of them. Let me close it out with with one final one, and I, I yeah, this, to me it's an easier decision, but I'm going to say Calvin Ridley over McLaurin. Yeah, I would take Ridley as well. Okay, all right, um, all right. So you you talked about you have not delved into um, r- uh, rookie research um, as much as you will prior to rookie drafts. Um, we we didn't get a combine this year. The pro day stuff has been kind of scattershot uh, a little bit as well. At what point do you really sink your teeth into the rookie class as you prep for dynasty drafts? And then we, we talked about Chase and Harris. Are there any other players in this year's rookie class that you're pretty high on? Uh, so usually after the Super Bowl, it's kind of a downtime. I will, uh, I'll start diving in. But uh, this year, I'm just way behind. I've been super busy with crypto stuff. But um, I'm not a huge watch the tape guy. I'll watch a little bit. But my process is probably a little different than uh, a lot of the hardcore dynasty guys. I'll usually start out uh, with like a wisdom of the crowd style rankings from different dynasty sites. And I'll kind of use that as my baseline. And then as I research guys and, and uh, look into their metrics and stuff, I'll kind of adjust accordingly. But I, I like to take like a, a composite ranking from rankings from a bunch of different sites, kind of mesh those together and then uh, take it from there. But um, yeah, I I haven't uh, done a ton so far this year. So like outside of a few of the top guys, I'm really like, I, I'm I'm a bit too uh, ignorant on the topic to speak about it. Like I know I like Chase a lot from what I've seen. He looks like an elite prospect and Harris in ATN I'm familiar with and watched and, and seen a bit of, but outside of that, I'm not super tied in. What, um, Kyle, Kyle Pitts, your opinion on him out of Florida, because he, yeah, he, cause he just, the, the test that he did today and his measurables just insane. I actually have Dave Gerzak texting me right now about Kyle Pitts, <laughs> um, about like how how crazy his his um, his tests were. He's six five two forty five, timed at the four uh, in the forty at four forty four, broad jump of ten nine and a thirty three and a half inch vertical leap, wingspan over eighty three inches. That's longer than any other receiver or tight end measured at the combine in the last two decades. He says, Kyle Pitts says he believes he'll be the best tight end ever. That's his mentality. Um, tight end premium leagues, FFPC. Things could get pretty crazy with Kyle Pitts and rookie drafts, Ted. Yeah, so I am somewhat familiar with him. Those numbers, though, you, you just rattled off. It sounds like you're describing a, a slightly better O.J. Howard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except he's got the... Uh, 92nd percentile college dominator is yards per reception, 96th percentile breakout age, 95th percentile. Like he, he looks like an elite prospect from what I've seen. So I, I wouldn't uh, be, be looking at him in the top couple picks because tight end is just, there's a lot of variance with tight end picks, but uh, I could see middle of the first round. I don't know. I, 
I'm not sure. We'll have to see where uh, where he ends up getting drafted, but I imagine it'll be pretty high. I and I'll tell you, you know who I think would take him there? All the people that don't own Travis Kelsey, because they, <laughs> they've seen the impact that a, a, a dominant tight end can have on on fantasy teams, and they might, you know, like you say, in middle middle of the first round, you get to that 104, that 105 pick. Kyle Pitts looks very, very enticing for tight end premium league owners. Um, all right. So absolutely, we, we've gone a little bit over time here. I do want to ask one final question. Um, ahead of the, the 2021 season, um, a player in, in dynasty leagues that you would be looking to, you know, sell high on clearly you did with Elliot and Smith Schuster. Um, and then a player that you're actually trying to acquire right now, maybe trying to buy a little bit low on. Yeah, so I have two guys on my current dynasty team that I'm looking to sell high on, or at least somewhat high before, while they still have good value, and that's Mike Evans and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. So I would, if forced to choose one, I would probably go Hopkins. Evans is just super frustrating to own. He's so volatile. One game he's putting up 40, the next game he's putting up five. But uh I would probably go with Hopkins. Just is at 29. You might still be able to get solid value out of him, though, from a contending team. But he's the kind of guy, once they get to be that age, if he tears his ACL, his value is just gone. So he, he's someone, unless I'm like strongly competing, I definitely want to get rid of. And then as far as guys I'm targeting, or a guy or two, so... Uh, the elite receivers, Justin Jefferson, D, uh, DK Metcalf, but obviously, I mean, you got uh, everybody's targeting them. So someone a little more under the radar, uh, Anthony Ferks are a tight end for the FFPC guys with John U. Smith out of there, Corey Davis out of there. There's a lot of pa- uh, passes to go around, a lot of targets to go around. And uh, he's a natural pass catcher, much more so than a blocker. So him and uh, Tyler Higby with Everett out of town. I expect I'm expecting tight end sucks, but I'm expecting <laughs> I'm expecting better than uh, expecting better, but we'll see. What about Everett and Seattle? Do you, do you like him there at all? Yeah, oh for sure. But I feel like every year, Belky, we have these guys at tight end that look like they're going to be good, and everyone gets pumped up for them, and then. Most of them just end up sucking. Yeah, yeah. Every year, you know? <laughs> it's, it's like you get Kelsey, like, Kittle, and that's it. Yeah, and, and like, you know, if there's any other playmakers on your team, I mean, like, Seattle just signed Tyler Lockett to that big extension, plus they have Metcalf, right? Yeah. Um, Higby is going to be dealing with um, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Woods, and Cup, and Van Jefferson. You know, it's like it's yeah, so it's tough true. to find a tight end that that's really the focal point of the offense. Kansas City has one. Yes. San Francisco has one. I guess you could make the case that Las Vegas has one just because the receivers aren't all that's that great with, with Waller there too. Um, and then we'll see with Pitts. Um, that, that's going to be a, a fun thing to watch. Ted, uh, cannot thank you enough for, for coming on. Um, I'm very sorry the FFPC cost you uh, a potential to make $10 million <laughs> in Bitcoin. Hopefully, oh, hopefully it's okay. I'm going to get there. Yeah, you will get there, and and hopefully uh, you'll you'll bring uh, well. I know you'll bring several FFPC dynasty titles, several more FFPC dynasty titles along with you. Be good. Uh, we will talk again soon. Thanks so much, man. That's the plan. Good talking to you, Balky. Take care, buddy.
Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.